Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Hey, does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? Hey, my name's Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are reviewing The Pretender. The Pretender. Which, this was your pick. This was a TV show from the late 90s. Yep, early 2000s, and I think it's kind of been forgotten, but it was on for four seasons, and you can find it now on Amazon Prime, where you can buy the season or the episodes. Yep. Before we do that, we're going to do a little bit of a different snack review today, because for today, we picked... The Choco Taco. Because it's one food pretending to be another food. Yeah, it's ice cream pretending to be a taco. We've had this pairing... Of the the Choco Taco and the Pretender for months. And we just couldn't find a place in the schedule to put it in. Then, those bastards at Klondike. (laughs) Announced that they were getting rid of the Choco Taco. Yeah, and let me tell you, people are not happy about it. I, for one, am not happy about it. It's a, so it's basically, it's like an ice cream waffle cone. It's like a waffle cone taco shell mm-hmm. with chocolate on the inside and then ice cream and then chocolate and maybe some nuts on top. Right. So we were able to find one, but we Steve had to eat it right there because it is ice cream and we were about mm, five hours from home. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple fun facts and then we're going to cut to that audio and then we're going to come back. Yep. That's the plan. So. This was invented much later than I thought. In 1983. Okay. By the owner of the Jack and Jill Ice Cream Company. Now, the Jack and Jill Ice Cream Company was founded in 1929 in Philadelphia. And it was in 1936, it was the first company to purchase an ice cream truck for selling ice cream. Oh. I love ice cream trucks so much. When that turkey in the straw plays, you know... The ice cream truck is coming. (laughs) The ice cream truck jingle. The ice cream truck jingle. So later in the 80s, it was sold to Good Humor Briars, which then was bought out by Unilever, which then uh, shuffled things around. And because it's an ice cream treat, it was sold by Klondike. Yep. Um, But yeah, 1983 is late. I, I think of like... I guess because it's an ice cream truck thing, I just kind of assumed it would be 50s, 60s. But the taco, really, I mean, you have Taco Bell, you have Mighty Taco, right, coming out also in the 80s as well. So tacos must have been, like, the thing. In the 80s, a lot of stuff. You had, like, the the taco candies. You had a lot of stuff like that. So I think that that does sound about right. I just think, like, Tex-Mex kind of made it into the mainstream. So, But I love... Like on baking shows when they have like dessert imposters. I love a food that is pretending to look like another food. Right. It's one of my favorites. And I don't know because the 80s, like you said, Tex-Mex was making a push. Well, I I lived in Texas in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So Tex-Mex was just food. Right. (laughs) Well, it had like, it's interesting because Tex-Mex came like into popularity as more Hispanic people started coming to our country. Right. In like the 1960s, it had kind of a big like, thing but i think by the 80s it was less of a fad and more like we just have mexican restaurants yeah when i lived in texas i mean well this is a regional thing obviously but here in new york state where we live 
like on every third street corner, there's like a family pizza restaurant. Right. Right. You can get pizza all over the place, not Domino's or pizza, like actual like family run pizza joints, right? That's kind of how it was in Texas. In mm. Texas, every third street corner had a Mexican restaurant. Right. It was like a family Mexican restaurant, not like a chain place. And like taco carts as well? No. Not 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 in my area, but that could have been, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, the last thing I want to say is that Klondike recently came out with what they call delicious dessert cones, which are like an ice cream cone with like a core of like what would be on a Sunday, okay. right? Like hot fudge or strawberry yep. or whatever. And people are, like, tearing them apart. And they're like, these are soggy. Bring back the Choco Taco. Uh, bring back the Choco Taco. So I don't know if they will bring it back or not. But for now, here's Steve enjoying a Choco Taco. All right, everybody. So our audio is going to sound a little bit different because we're not at home. So our unsponsored or non-sponsored snack time today is a Choco Taco. Yeah, it's basically a waffle cone. Yep, it's like waffle cone material that's been wrapped into a taco design filled with um, a little bit of fudge around that the edge of the shell and then vanilla ice cream and then chocolate over the top with nuts. Oh, nice. I didn't know it had fudge inside of it. I... Um, we'll talk about our memories when we get back home. Basically, we just wanted to get Steve's authentic reaction here and not a pretend reaction for you guys. But we had this on our list for the pretender for like, what, like three or four months now? Yes. And the problem is that Klondike, after we did this whole thing of like planning when we were going to have things and what snack would go well with it, Klondike announced that they were canceling it. Yeah, they just they discontinued the Choco Taco. So we were lucky enough to find one today, and so now I'm eating it. And it's it's pretty fantastic, I have to be honest. I mean, what don't you like about a taco filled with ice cream with chocolate and nuts on top? Yeah, I'm super jealous right now because I used to love Choco Tacos. It's, it's basically a waffle cone that's in a better shape for you to eat. Steve's just t- enjoying it right now. All right, so um, out of five whatever we're going to pick out of five scams, I guess, since it's the pretender. And I remember nothing about that show at the moment. Steve's shaking his head. No. Um, one out of five. What are you going to give the Choco Taco? It's definitely a five. I'm still eating it. It's definitely a five. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with this. All right. Awesome. Except the- for it's been discontinued. Stupid Klondike. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. We'll find out, and we'll add that in the fun facts. And uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll, I'll figure out why that is. But for now, five out of five for the Choco Taco. Thanks, Steve. We're back. So. Five geniuses out of five. We're rating on geniuses today because the pretender is a genius. That's true. But Steve, for people who have never seen it, why don't you tell us more about that? So, The Pretender, the show, um, first aired on NBC in 1996, and it was about Jared, who was a child genius who had been raised in a think tank called The Center. Um, He basically was raised outside of normal American culture and just did experiments, and they utilized his genius brain for a lot of different things. And then when he became an adult, he broke out of the think tank and ran away. And now he uses his genius to pretend to be all sorts of different people and to help people that are in need. Yeah. 
And I think later on, we watch things from season one, but later on, like, he's helping people connected to the center, I think. Uh, sometimes, yeah. He's always he's always helping, like, different people that he sees news articles about and things like that. But the center keeps popping back up because the whole through the whole series, they're chasing him, trying to get him back. Right. Oh, okay. Good. All right. So let's get into some history. As you said, this ran from 1996 until 2000, and it had 86 episodes. It was inspired by serial imposter Ferdinand Waldo DeMara. And then I looked him up, and they also made a movie called The Great Imposter about him with, with Tony Curtis. Okay. This guy impersonated a naval surgeon, a civil engineer, a sheriff's deputy, an, ins- an assistant prison warden, mm-hmm. a doctor of applied psychology, a hospital orderly, a lawyer, a child care expert, a Benedictine monk, a Trappist monk, an editor, a cancer researcher, and a teacher. And the teaching job led to six months in prison. <laughs> so what did you do as a teacher that people were like, that guy shouldn't be up there? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And they really don't... There's a lot of stuff that's questionable about him. There haven't been many, like, apparently there's not that many provable facts. Okay. But there's just speculation that he might have possessed, like, an actual true photographic memory and an extraordinary IQ. And he would be able to memorize, like, techniques from textbooks. Um, And his two rules were, number one, the Burden of proof is on the accuser. Prove that I'm not a teacher. Yeah. Go ahead, do it. And then two, when in danger, attack. <laughs> what? What's hilarious is that, is that they were like, no, I don't buy he's a teacher. Benedictine monk, sure. Sure, but yeah. But not a teacher. And, and Benedictine monks, I, and the Trappist monks too, I wouldn't think that there would be like that many of them. Right. I just want to read a whole book about him. I didn't have time for this, he, he but re- I just want to read so much more. It reminds me also of Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. And that was a true story of Frank... Um, Abagnale. Ag- yeah, Abagnale, who pretended to be... He pretended to be an airline pilot, but he pretended to be a couple other things as well. Yeah, that's true. He was they- also... I mean, they kind of called him like a con man, but he was very intelligent, and that's why he was able to do that. And now he helps the FBI, does he not? I believe I think so, so, or he did for yeah. a while, yeah. So at any rate, at some point, maybe we'll do a, a very special bonus episode just where I just talk about Fernand Damara and just, like, <laughs> explore his life. But um, The Pretender started as part of the Saturday Night lineup. Interesting. That's where shows go to die. So it's interesting it lasted four years. I yeah. really, I didn't remember it being four years, but I started college during the run of the show, which is probably why I thought it was one season. Okay. Oh, Because... <laughs> 19-year-old Megan is now watching TV on a Saturday night. Right. 40-year-old Megan, yeah, 100%. I'm not doing things on Saturday night. That's my TV day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it uh, it had... It was done by co-creators Stephen Long Mitchell and Craig Van Sickle. Um, and the two of them seemed to work together on a lot of stuff. They wrote uh, a couple other shows, She Spies. They worked on Clone Wars. They worked on 24. Um, it looks like they did together a couple episodes of like things like Murder, She Wrote here and there. Oh, okay. But they also did the movie Ski Patrol. Okay. Classic 1980s, every cliche in the book movie. Yeah. <laughs> but they're most known for this. 
Okay. And we have a couple other people here. Michael Weiss. Mm -hmm. Mostly he's done small roles and some voiceover work. Um, He was also in the 1991 version of Dark Shadows. Oh, okay. For a number of episodes. Andrea Parker, who plays Miss Parker. No relation. Yeah. Um, She was in this show, Less Than Perfect, that I really liked but never got a lot of attention. Yes. Um, And she was also in Pretty Little Liars, Desperate Housewives. Patrick Bachow. Bachow? Yeah. Patrick Bachow, who plays Sydney. Um, He has a very distinctive voice. Yes. Um, And he was a Bond villain in 1985, A View to Kill. Okay. That was one of the Roger Moore yep. James Bonds. And he was also played Dr. House's estranged father in House. He did, yes. So he kind of is known for like playing yeah. villains. And he's done he's done a lot of like cameo kind of stuff in shows. Yeah. Where he's he does like a one or two episode kind of show pop in. And that was kind of you know, I didn't find much about this show. This isn't like, I don't know, you know, we're going to, you can get into reception later. I'm not Mm. sure like how it was received, but I couldn't find that much. Like I usually look up like history fun fact, Um, but early, I did find this. Somebody wrote early seasons of The Pretender are marked by a real sense of playfulness. Later seasons when the series loses its humor and becomes increasingly more like X-Files. Oh yeah. Are a bit, are a bit weirder. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says. And I we watched two episodes just because of what we could find from the first season. Um, but that is interesting because while I was watching it, I made a lot of comparisons to X-Files. So we'll talk about that when we come back. We're going to take our break here and then we'll get into some memories and then our full review and recap. Excellent. We're back. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. I hope you didn't go away. (laughs) Steve, what... This was your pick. So what were your memories of The Pretender? Okay. So... Okay. I loved this show. All right. I thought I watched it younger, but I I couldn't have. Because I was in high school in 96. Actually, I I graduated in 96. So when this started, I was already out of high school. Right. So I actually think, as I was looking, as we were looking into the history of the show and things like that, I think I watched it in my early adulthood on TNT when it was in syndication. Mm. TNT used to show a lot. They'd show it like every day. Right. You know, kind of like they do Law, like they did Law and Order for a while. Yeah. Because TNT knows drama. That's true. And the Pretender <laughs> has drama. That's um, true. So yeah, but I watched a lot of these episodes on TV. Um, and I really dug it. I just I like I like a show with good guys and bad guys. I like he's that he's really smart and he was trying to help people, you know, as well as this was actually when I mean this was a nineties kind of thing more so I think. But this is when shows were starting to get more long long form. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why there was a few things. We watched two episodes here, and there's a few things where you were like, oh, that's kind of weird, whatever, but it was kind of a long form story. That's where we would see things with like Miss Parker. Um, you see a lot of flashbacks of him as a child, and that kind of carried on throughout the episodes. Yeah. And that, um, I totally agree with you. I didn't think about that, that not many shows were doing like longer plot arcs quite yet. Yes. This is the, you're right that this is the very beginning of that. There was even though 
it was kind of serious aspects of this show. There was a playfulness because he had missed his childhood. Right. Whereas every episode, there's like some kind of candy or toy or something that he's like discovered and he's playing with the whole time. Yeah. That, um, and that was kind of neat. That was a fun piece to watch this time too. So my memory is that this kind of, because it was on on Saturdays, you know, at that point I was already working. Yeah. On the weekend especially. And so I, I did see it here and there, but I think like you, I might have caught it later on TNT. There's a lot of talk about like how a lot of the stuff that we saw as Gen Xers was created by people who developed a mistrust of the government, especially with Vietnam and Watergate and the Kennedy assassination, you know, and all of that. So there were all of these government conspiracy shows. The X-Files, probably the most prominent. Yep. This, and then also, I don't know if you remember this show, but VR5, where virtual reality was real, but it had like weird conspiracy, like undertones. And then other shows a little bit later, like Roswell. Okay. Right? Things like that. So, um, but, you know, I like shows about people helping people, and I did enjoy it. I just didn't get to see it that much. And I thought that it was like 12 episodes and got canceled. So I had no idea until we were doing this show. That it was... six episodes. Yeah, I had no clue. Yeah. I just didn't. It's almost as many as Quantum Leap. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Because Quantum Leap, I guess, is, like, such a big thing of my childhood. Like, such a big piece, you know? We talked about that in our Quantum Leap episode. Maybe that's why I like but. this, too. Because it's another show about somebody going into different situations to help people. That's a big thing with you, actually. I was thinking about that earlier. <laughs> that's why I love you so much. Yeah, because you also... Because another show this reminded me of that we did an episode of a long time ago, Manimal. Yes. Using powers to help people, right? Um, Another show like that that I loved was, um, oh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the guy who got the newspaper the day ahead of time. Oh, yeah, the early edition? Yes, early edition. Yeah, a lot like that. Also, another one that we did an episode about, it concept, conceptually like this, A-Team. Yeah, a little bit. The A-Team would go into people's like lives and kind of help out. Yeah, and, and there's other shows, you know, that we, we talk about, too, that you and I both enjoy. Like, Lie to Me was kind of, he's not pretending, but he's just going around helping people. Yeah. Um, the one where, the, uh, Leverage, where they're going in and doing a con, mm-hmm. which is, that's the other part. I know my mom likes this show because it's helping people, but it's also like a con job. So it's a little bit bit of subterfuge in addition. So it's kind of funny because it's somebody being sneaky, but also helpful. Yeah. um, Which is an aspect of it that I really enjoyed. Our first episode that we watched was season three, Flyer. Episode one, or season one, episode three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Season one, episode three, Flyer. My first note is, is that Kato Kalen taking people on a tour of a wind farm? (laughs) <laughs> because it's this surfer-looking dude who looks yes. just like Kato Kalen. Yeah. And that kind of opened up weird. And you're like, what? what's the wind farm have to do with it? And I thought at first it was from the last episode because sometimes, you know, they were always, like, behind him. But then I realized they make a mention of it that he was there and he would just sit there all day and he was looking at wind patterns. I think he used that to learn to fly. Gotcha. Yeah, so basically we open with people. It's people from the center. Right. That if you haven't come into the show in a long time or you just happen to flip around and pick up on episode three. So, yeah, it is a little bit difficult to follow. But basically we pick up that Jared is a genius. He was exploited and therefore he escaped. Yes. Now 
He's competing with another fly. He's competing. He's competing with another flyer. Yeah, he's auditioning for a test pilot job for a fighter jet to be a wingman to display new tech for the Pentagon. Yes, um, it's a little bit of a, a, a tiny bit of like a ripoff or a spin on Top Gun. A little bit, yeah. Which we also reviewed. If you haven't listened to all these, just you know, start an episode. Maybe not one. Stop maybe right now. Four go or five. back and listen to them. Then come and join us. Yeah, then come join us. Just download all of them. It's fine. Um, so we have this weird thing, and I don't know if you had this in your notes, but we have this weird thing where there's these magic eye pictures up, and he explains the technology of magic eye. Yeah. Magic eye, if you don't know, are like weird things that had. They they were looked like 2D at first, but if you stared at them in the right way and softened your eyes, they'd look like 3D. Yeah. And he explains it. The guy goes, would you invent these or something? And he's like, something like that. And I'm like, did Jared invent Yeah, he alludes to the fact that he may have invented it at the center. Yeah. At the think tank. He also claims to have flown with a pilot who spied on North Korea. What's interesting to me is that structurally, we don't really understand why he's there for a while. Yeah, you you it, it, the the show each episode kind of allows you to get used to him in his new role, right? Before you kind of learn why he's what he's really there to investigate. Um, and here you see that his new role, as you made, as you said, is he's he's working for this private airplane company that's created a new microchip, the Scimitar, that's supposed to help jets fly better. Right, and his predecessor. Um, died and he's looking at a newspaper article which just kind of made me laugh all of these are always newspaper articles yes 96 um he's looking at a newspaper article that says that the guy died from pilot error right so that's why he's decided to come to this particular location we also then have a flashback to him we have a flashback to him as a kid riding a stationary bike while experiments are being done on him so a lot of these flashbacks too like tie in somehow later on but it's kind of up to you to put some of the pieces together yeah yeah it's got him yeah there's flashbacks of him and the the bicycle exercise he's doing they have a helmet and a mask on him so it's almost like he's doing experiments about breathing in like low atmosphere almost like flying kind of stuff right yeah or extreme yeah that's a good point. I forgot that they had that on them. Then we meet my favorite character of the episode. I wish he had been in all of them. Mr. Hollis, who's the neighbor next door. Yes. So Jared's living in like a trailer because he's not going to be there that He's not going to be there that long. Mr. Hollis thinks the government's going to get you. Oh, yeah. He's big time conspiracy theorist. And Jared has the internet. And Mr. Hollis asks him if he's been looking at dirty pictures. Right. <laughs> and even though he has, like, super fancy internet, and it's dial-up still. Yeah, it's still Because Hollis is like, why do you need two phone lines? Yeah. <laughs> why would anybody need another separate phone line just for their internet? Um, the people in the, the center are trying to track him. And then, I, I, you know, it's going to sound... I'm sure to people listening, it sounds like we're jumping all over the place. Like, and then he's there, and then they have a flashback, and then he meets Mr. Hollis, and then he's buying Silly Putty. That really is how the show is cut. Yeah, it jumps around quite a bit. It, that drove me nuts. There's, like, no transition. It's just, like, jump, 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 jump. But there's no transitions in between. Mm-hmm. It's not like, 
I'm going to go to the store. And then they cut to him buying Silly Putty. Right. He's just all of a sudden buying Silly Putty. I don't know if that's because, you know, like they cut stuff for time or what. Um, but anyway, he's buying Silly Putty. Yeah, Silly Putty seems to be the thing that he's into. And Pez Candy, he seems to be right. into this episode. Because again, he'd have a childhood. Right, so he's eating Pez and he keeps offering it to people. And they're like, <laughs> like he's offering them like, would you like some Pez? Like it's fancy. And people are like, no, I don't want any Pez. <laughs> Some yeah, we rated Pez pretty well, actually. And then he sees Silly Putty, and he's like, "Wait a second! Like this can stretch and stick to things." And the lady at the convenience store is like, "Yeah," and he's like, "And I can press it on things, and it makes copies." And she's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Why are they just selling this so cheap?" <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "It's Silly Putty. Do you want one?" And he's like, "I'll take a hundred And he just starts filling up because <laughs> they're they're ninety nine cents each. Yeah, so he has a hundred dollar bill on them. Um, yeah, no, I thought that that was the, the, as you said before, like the playful part of it. Yes. Because if you did, if you saw Silly Putty for the first time, I don't know. Especially because he grew up in a think tank as a problem solver. So to yeah. him, that's a multi-use thing. Oh, yeah, big time. Right? He's like, he's thinking of all the, the uses you could use this putty for. Yeah. And he's like, wait, they're just like giving this away. Then he looks out. Now we cut again, and there's he's looking out across the street, and there's this kid. <laughs> the saddest scene in the world. We go from like playfulness to the saddest scene in the world. This kid's trying to fly a paper airplane, and it keeps going about two inches and crashing into the yeah. ground. He the the boy with the paper airplane is the son of Ron, the pilot who died, and Jared's following up because part of what you what you get from the articles Jared has is not only did they say that it was pilot error, but because of that, his family got no benefits. Right. And so that's sort of why Jared's trying to investigate. Yeah. And, um, and then we cut to him doing sign language just to show that he knows sign language. Yeah. Well, yes, he finds that's, that's keyed off of, he finds a recording from the center of him as a child in Sydney, who's the man in charge of him, talking to someone else. And you can't, there's no audio from the other guy. So he hires a deaf woman to teach him to lip read. Right. So he can read lips off the video. But it's interesting that he's such a genius that the people at the center not only taught him multiple, they taught him multiple languages, including sign language. Yeah. Yeah. But not lip reading. But not lip reading, apparently. <laughs> then we're back to the neighbor, and the neighbor's talking about calcium gas <laughs> and how it was used as a mass hallucinogen. Um, it's so disjointed. It's really hard for... It was very hard for me to follow. It just jumped from person to person. We Then we cut back to the center... Then we cut back to the the little boy, and he's talking about how his dad took him. Um, so, Ron's son tells him that his father took him the night before the flight, the fatal flight. He took him on a drive to see the stars. Yes. They didn't tell the mom, because this is something that they would just do father-son kind of thing, go see the stars. So that breaks a hole in the story because the other pilot who had been flying with Ron that day said that he was out drinking all night the night before. Right. So now we know that that's not true. Um, 
Then we cut back to the neighbor who's having nightmares about Hiroshima. Yeah, we find out that his crazy neighbor was a scientist on the Manhattan Project. Yeah. To help create the atomic bomb. Well, that's how he knows the government's out to get you. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So he then... But it doesn't really connect to the main story other than like it's a side character who he's also kind of helping by allowing the guy... To talk about his trauma, and basically they both have trauma from the government. Yeah, and so I think that kind of brings them together as well. Um, and they and he did use that character who told him about the gas, which was how the it's basically how they set up Ron who died. Right. Yeah. They had poisoned him a little bit with it. So they. What? What? They use the gas to kind of throw him off because it affected your perception. I thought it was just from the messed up chips that he did. No, he had found out about the chips and was going to tell somebody. Right, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. We watched this a while ago and I totally forgot. So he confronts um, the other pilot who was flying with Ron and he says, you know, there was a 0.04% failure rate on this chip. But I found a 3.1 failure rate, and it messes up the infrared, the ejection, yep. all of this stuff is just from this one microchip. So the other pilot admits that he lied. Um, and then we cut back to the center. Yes. And my notes for this say, oh dear, micro mini skirts, smoking, and a bad Rachel haircut. Yeah, that's Miss Parker that's in a Ms. nutshell. Parker in a nutshell. <laughs> but you have to admit, Miss Parker's a smoke show. No. Yeah. No. Okay. We, I guess <laughs> we just don't agree on that. No, I don't. I don't agree with you at all. Um, then we have a fight in the sky. They're supposed to be doing this big demonstration. Also, it's not actually for the Pentagon, right? It's more for like private companies to make money. No, it, he he's a private company, but they're trying to sell it to the Defense Department. So the Pentagon, like, has generals and stuff there to yeah. watch. Yeah, and there's a lot of money to be made from war, and yeah. these are basically, they're war profiteers, right. is my point. So he's like, the truth, General! Yeah, he, come to find out, the guy, the guy who killed Ron, or set Ron up to die, who runs this chip company, um, was the other jet pilot, and he finds out that his plane won't, follow his instruction because jared has gummed up some of the sensors with silly putty yeah to bring a call back. back to the silly putty and also he has a he's flying it like it's a remote control car right he forces this guy to confess in the air and has it broadcast down to all the people from the government that are watching right and then the two greatest things of this episode happen the first is that the plane crashes in what can only be called horrible fake stock footage. Yes. Because it looks nothing like the rest of the show. It's so bad. The second is that the guy from the Pentagon says, the government wants a refund. Yeah. The government wants a refund. When has the government ever gone after a war profiteer company for for a refund? All they would be like, fix your problem and redo it, and then we'll give you the money you want. The government wants a refund. It's so funny to me. Um, He flies off. 
Jared flies off and lands his plane in an airplane graveyard. Yep. And then bicycles away. F him. <laughs> I yep. mean, it's kind of still a functional plane. Anybody, any kid playing around in there could just take it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he bikes away. He draws paper airplane instructions for Ron's son. And then um, he leaves Parker from the center, or possibly Sid, who's the evil Bond yeah, villain Sydney, guy. Yeah, yep. Who talks like this the whole time, like he's a robot. I hate it so much. Um, he <laughs> leaves them a silly putty copy of the paper saying that the late pilot was cleared from error. Yes. Because he's like kind of their family. They're kind of like family. He's still well, like yeah. tied to them. Parker's chasing him and trying to catch him because the center owns him in her mind. Um, Sydney was like always in charge of him, but he's kind of like a surrogate dad. But he's trying to show them that now he's free because he's doing good in the world. Right. But it's kind of like, look, dad, here's what I did. And also taunting at the same time. Yeah, a little bit. once again, I put Parker and the center goons miss him once again. Yeah. And then they cut to him conducting an orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so great. And I don't think... The next episode has nothing to do with that. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a little bit like Quantum Leap. Yeah. Where he doesn't always leap. And sometimes they'd have him leap into something. And then the next episode, he was in something different. Because it's just a funny tag. Yes. Right? It's just a funny tag. So that's how the episode three ends. Then we went over to episode eight, Not Even a Mouse, which was the Christmas episode of season one. Um... We have a flashback here to start it off with him escaping just to be outside and spin around in the snow. Yeah, young Jared escapes the center just to see snow. Yeah. Because he really hasn't seen snow in himself. so sad. Um, Then we cut to a drunk elf talking to a cop about a dead Santa. Yeah, and the coroners arrive and we find out Jared is a coroner now. Yeah, these people are really cavalier about death. They're like, bag yeah. him and tag him. When you see him every day, Get I him guess. out of here. Um, he di- So there's some pushback right away because the lead coroner thought that he died from exposure. Jared's like, no, it was a heart attack. Um, so right away, Jared is sort of undermining the, the woman who's the lead coroner. Yeah. Because Jared is super smart. Yeah. He also figured out the time of death. By looking at how the milk curdled in the man's eggnog, which was partially frozen, but not all the way because of the brandy. Yeah. He compared that bacteria to the other bacteria, and he put the time of death at about 148. Yep. Again, showing everyone that they're wrong because he's super smart. I don't think science works that way. No. But it's, it, but it's a nice thought. But also, the guy, even if the guy did die of a heart attack, why do you need the time of death? It's not like anybody did murders on him where you'd have to have the time of... When it's right. a natural death like that, like, even if it was from exposure, you don't need the time of death. Jared is thorough. Listen, Jared, you're wasting taxpayer money. Get a move on it. Um, I put in my notes, too, the camera work is not great. The acting wasn't bad in this show. But the camera work is not great. I don't know if that's just because we're so used to HD it could be. And most of the shows that we've been watching, unless they're on YouTube, have been remastered for HD. Yeah. And this clearly hasn't This been. wasn't. Because remember, you mentioned the fact that it's square framed yeah. in, our, in our rectangle TV. And it also, and I don't want to offend any of our Canadian listeners, um, but it looks like a Canadian show. It was filmed in Toronto originally. That, that's why. Uh-huh. Originally, and then so, it was moved to LA. 
like U.S. shows, Canadian shows, and British shows, just they all have a tiny bit of a different look. Mm-hmm. Canadian shows tend to be like this. There's like less stuff in the background. I feel like yeah, the production value because we put so much money into Hollywood in our country, production values are a little bit higher typically in the U.S. In Britain, they don't do like the kind of bright lighting that we do in mm-hmm. the U.S. So it just it it's not like mean or anything to say. Right. It looks like a Canadian show. The great thing too about this is production wise is every time they they flash back to the center, yeah, it shows you the outside of the center, which is like this big kind of different looking building. Right, and it's supposed to look like secret kind of thing. Well, the actual building they use is a water treatment facility. Oh, that's hilarious! In Canada, that's funny. They just liked the look of it. Um, so Jared gets a Christmas present for the first time in a long time. Yeah, Jared's never really had a Christmas present. We find out later the only other one he's gotten is a like crappy three dollar snow globe. Right, that Cindy gave him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he almost cries, and it's a fruitcake. It's a fruitcake, and he's like, oh, fruitcake. And everyone's like, don't eat that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this must be delicious. And he loves it. Yeah, he eats half the fruitcake. I would eat half the fruitcake, too. I love fruitcake. And then it looks like later in the episode, he's buying other fruitcakes to compare. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fruitcake connoisseur. Yeah. Listen, if you're going to be a genius and be great at everything. Yeah, the two things in this episode that pop up that are like that nostalgia thing, kind of like we had Pez and Silly Putty in the last episode. Yeah. It's fruitcake, and, and a lot of times he's chewing on candy canes. Mm, because yes. he probably has never had candy canes either. Yeah, that's true. So we cut then to Sydney giving him the snow globe and talking in his very robotic voice. Jared, here's a present for y'all. Why, why are you talking like that? What's hilarious? I can't and what's hilarious it. is that's his that's the actor's normal voice, but when oh it God. flashes back to flashback yeah. scenes and there's a different young actor, they're dubbing it with his voice. Yeah, and it makes it even worse. Jared, I got you a present. It's like so awful. I can't. That's the actor's normal voice, Steve. He had to live his whole life with that voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of made a living off of it, but I don't know. Um, so, so there's a girl who's been buried the same, kind of in snow, and it seems like the same way, and I was like, is this a serial killer, even though he thought it was a heart attack? But no, it's just, um, Gabrielle, he eventually, he finds out. Yeah, it's a, well, it's this girl that they found also in the snow, second body, and they, it just shows that the, the people at the corner office are very quick to write her off as just a Jane Doe. Yeah. I don't seem to, they're just like, get her off the slab, like it's Christmas like, time. she's homeless, it's probably just whatever. Um, and then we find him walking around reading the newspaper article. Yeah, which he keeps all in a book. Yes. Um, and it's Christmas George. Yeah, we find the real reason he's investigating. Christmas George was killed in a hit and run. Um, he goes to talk to somebody who knew Christmas George, who was a homeless man. And he offers this old, this other homeless man who knew Christmas George... He offers him fruitcake, and the guy goes, I'm not that homeless. Yeah, I'm not that homeless that I eat fruitcake. Why do you think fruitcake gets a bad rep? Do you like fruitcake? I've had some fruitcakes that were really bad. Really? Yeah, do There's you like dry? it? Yeah, but I can't. Really? There's nothing in a fruitcake now oh, that I can gosh, eat. Oh, gosh, no. Because it's like um, that gluten-free rum cake that we had. I mean, you probably had someone that made real fruitcake. I yeah. had a lot of bought fruitcakes. Well, even they the were like bo- from like like the store, like CVS. Even or the like- bought ones, they're always like it's like a really 
dense, greasy cake. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't eat it now. It doesn't matter. But yeah, that's my jam. So we find out from this homeless guy that Christmas George did a lot for the homeless in the area, mm-hmm. as well as a bu- he would always do Christmas stuff for these kids at this kid's shelter, basically. Like an orphanage almost. Yeah, and the kid's shelter is a really nice building run by a nun. Yeah. Or a group of nuns, probably. But we have kind of one nun kind of representing all of them. Um, and Megan, this is season one. We can't afford more than one nun. That's true. The nun, the nun, Jared has a conversation with this nun where she looks at him like, oh, sweetie. And he's basically like, this, this poem of the night before Christmas doesn't make sense and he does the calculations for how many homes santa would have to visit (laughs) yes and he's like santa couldn't possibly visit all those homes and she's like it's christmas time and he was like but how could people possibly believe this (laughs) and she's like okay then she says anything's possible at christmas time yeah then we have the two strangest segues okay because we cut to Parker. Mm-hmm. I can't even I can't even say it without laughing. Oh Holy Night is playing in the background, okay? Mm-hmm. And Parker, we see the softer side. Like, come see the softer side of Sears. Come see the softer side of Miss Parker. Right. She's hanging Christmas ornaments on a tree. And she's looking at each one like women always have time to do at Christmas time when they're decorating. And then... We fade out, and what fades in, Steve? The girl's body, the the girl's yeah. found in the alley so they, they, on a slab with with still the same music. Oh, holy playing. night! As Jared's doing an autopsy. Yeah, with the, with the corpse of Gabrielle. Yeah. Um, and he he realizes he does gymnastics while smoking to realize because this girl had some marks on her hands and some stress fractures and he thinks it might be gymnast she might be a gymnast yes so he does gymnastics but he is smoking while he's doing it no he's got a candy cane in his mouth oh yeah jerry doesn't smoke i didn't pick that up i was like why is he smoking no it's a candy cane yep he also Oh, uh, no. Yeah, and I think the piece, again, this is the long-form storyline. Miss Parker's been presented this entire season as a real witch. Like, she's ho- cold, heartless. She's a hunter, right? And now you start to see pieces of, like, her dad doesn't really treat her well. Yeah. Right? You see a lot of other things that are kind of behind that. Her dad calls her to invite her to a party, and then it's like, be prompt, and hangs up on her. Yeah, she's like, okay, lovey click. <laughs> Kim, the other um, coroner, is making puffer fish in the lab. That seems safe. Yeah, she's using coroner equipment to cut the the poison gland out of puffer, puffer fish. I feel like that's the first thing we learn not to do in bio. Yeah. Like, don't bring food into the don't lab. Don't bring food in the lab, right. Yeah. Especially a dead people lab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a dead people lab. Yeah. Yeah. A morgue. So... Then we cut back. Jared is pretending now to be a 911 operator to copy the phone call from the homeless guy who he then goes to talk to a second time. Yeah, and he finds out that the head coroner showed up before even the police did. Yes. And also she lied on her report because Christmas George was not dead on impact. He was still alive when she got to the scene. Yep. Um... 
And she then tells him in the next scene that the new guy works Christmas Eve. So he's like, but you're the head of the thing. Why would you have been working yes. Christmas Eve? So it's very suspicious. Suspicious. But we find out that the stress fractures were from being a gymnast, and he very quickly identified who this girl was. He asks the cop to go and let her family know. And the cop is actually a pretty good guy. He's like, yeah, of course, definitely. I'll let him know right away. Like the cop, he's always helping the cop out a little bit, but the cop seems to be trying to yeah, like help. Definitely. He's a nice guy. I, I didn't know, too. I was like, do we see that cop again? Because he felt like a more than just a player for this. But it just could have been because the actor was so good. Yeah, I don't believe so because he always moves cities. Yeah. Jared never stays in one place. So we find out that there were these drugs missing that paralyzed people. Cuts himself with glass and throws himself in front of her car and pretends to be cut. We also cut back to a flashback of him and Parker petting bunnies. Well, that actually shows Parker and him meeting as children. Right. Which makes a connection between the two of them. And shows that she might have been part of this these experiments. Well, yeah, she says in that she's not way. supposed to be in there. Right. But, but she just wants to pet the bunnies that he's actually experimenting with. And you also see a lot of these flashbacks are showing twins. Mm-hmm. Right? It shows current day they're doing, Sydney's doing twin experiments. The bunnies are all twins. Um, and so you kind of get an idea that that's a thing, too. Yeah. So there's little clues here and there that you would put together throughout the couple seasons, yes. basically. Um, then he's taken into the car with the head coroner. She has her doctor bag with her, even though all her patients are dead. Yeah. Um, he gives her fruitcake and he pretends like it's been laced with puffer fish. But then he tells, basically, he tells her the story like a true detective would mm-hmm. of how she had been drinking and driving she hit somebody she heard the 911 call saying that he was still alive so she went back to the scene paralyzed the guy and then basically they killed did a, him they did a live autopsy yeah him. she basically yeah just Which, to cover up that she was drunk i don't know that that would have actually happened because the minute you you cut in the person's gonna still be bleeding like even but if, if she's the one doing the autopsy, oh, yeah. she also may have just killed him once he was back at the thing. Yeah, that's true. So he says, I'm just going to paralyze you now and finish you off on a slab like you finished George. And for a while, you, you think maybe he's done that. Like, you're like, did this guy, like, legit? Is he, like, Dexter? Like, yeah. If you've never seen this show. Um, but... They cut to him talking to Kim, the other coroner, and he's like, she's going to wake up in a few hours with wicked diarrhea from that fruitcake. Yeah. So Kim knows what's up. I'm assuming after that that they'll somehow get her to go to the police. Or well, call remember, the police he sent the evidence to the, yes, to the police officer. That's right. So that's the next scene is he's delivered the file of proof. Yep. The and, homeless man that he was talking to earlier dropped off the files for him to the police officer. Yep. And then Gabrielle's brother comes and thanks him for making the ID on Christmas. Even though it was hard, it's better knowing where she is and right. what happened to her than not at all. So the family could have peace. Yeah. Then, just like the scene with the kid with the airplane, again, the super sad scene. Miss Parker is alone with a martini on Christmas, just staring at her tree. Yeah. Her dad calls her and he's like, nope, we're canceling it. Yeah, he's like, don't bother, basically. And so yeah. she's sitting there alone drinking a martini. And then Sid 
goes to see his brother, who seems like his twin. It is his twin, yeah. And he was given the snow globe. Jared was there and left the snow globe for him. Yeah, so Jared figured out that he'd been going to see his brother for 30 years, who's in a coma. Yeah. And he showed up and left the snow globe for him there. And then he sent Parker a bunny. Yep. He gave her a bunny, which she'd wanted as a kid. Seems like she'll have a lot of time to take care of that. And then <laughs> um, and then he's reading the night before Christmas to the kids. Yeah. And he tells them that the one girl that Christmas George will... He sends her a gift from Christmas George because she really loved Christmas George and the help that they gave her there. So that's how that one ends. Kind of on a sweeter note than probably... Some of the other ones. Yes. So, um, how did people take it at the time? It lasted longer than I thought. Did, how did What it, was the reception it like? It did last longer than you thought. Um, Nielsen ratings at the time, it it went four seasons. And nev- the, at its highest rating, it was ranked 59th. Oh, okay. So, not great. It, it normally hovered between 70s and 80s. Okay. Um, but... Wait, 59th? Yeah. And they renewed it? Yeah. And 59th was like season three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising to me. It won a couple awards, though. It won a it won a First Americans in the Arts Award. Okay. For Outstanding Guest Performance okay. by a TV drama series. Ty, this actor, Tyler Christopher, who was like a guest appearance, won an award. Um, it also won a Young Artist Award for Best Performance... In a TV drama, again, by a guest star. Okay. And then best performance in a TV drama by a supporting young actor. Ryan Merriman, who played young Jared. Oh, okay. And I thought he actually did a really good job. Yeah, he did a really good job. In the few scenes we saw of him. Um, And, of course, those scenes continue throughout the show, right? As you're finding out more and more about Jared when he was young. Right. Um, And so he has a a reoccurring role, basically. Um, It also... Um, it was also nominated for an Emmy huh. for Outstanding Main Title Theme Music. All right. Um, and also um, Golden Satellite Awards. Both Michael T. Weiss, who played Jared, was nominated for Best Performance by an Actor. And Andrea Parker was nominated for Best Performance by an Actress. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't... <clears throat> they didn't win, but they were nominated. Okay. In a drama series. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. So, what did you think about the show? How did you react to it, given... I have a lot of nostalgia on the show. There's also, there's a pretty big fandom, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I should say a small fandom, but, like, really loyal. They had a Facebook page and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I, I really like the premise of the show. I like the fact... There was a lot of... I mean, when we're looking overall at the entire show, there was a lot of... Like I said before, long form kind of stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of secrets that you're figuring out as the show went on, as well as he's helping people all the time. And it was really cool to just see him in these different roles, these different jobs, things like that. Almost very much quantum leapy, right? Where right. he's doing different, doing different things every time. Um, and as we talked about with Scott Bakula, right, it's probably really demanding on Michael T. Weiss as the actor because he's having to do different things every episode. 
Yeah, he's a that's jet true. pilot. He's a doctor, right? He's a coroner. And a lot of it is, I mean, it's a quantum leap. He's in every single scene. Yeah. But here, he is in most of it. But they it, split it a little bit here with the center. Yeah, they do a tiny yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but again, he's having to learn all these things to try to look like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting, too. But, but there were some issues. As you mentioned, there's some transition issues now that I'm looking at it as an adult mm-hmm. or an older adult. Yeah. Right? Um, and it, I'm not sure it completely... I'm not sure it completely holds up either because with the technology we have today, it would be much harder for him to do this. Oh, yeah. Because he can't just walk in and say, oh, yeah, I'm a coroner without being checked on the internet real fast and and being able to back that up. Listen, I was reading about what Ferdinand did in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and it was crazy. When we were on break, (laughs) I was reading about it. But, yeah, you're right. It would be much harder, and especially, like, things like a teacher, you know, we have to be fingerprinted for that. Yeah. Like, that's that's just not going to happen. Yeah, there's no way he could be in the system. No, and you have to show, which you didn't really at that point, but now you'd have to show, like, your Social Security card. You have to fill out a 99. It was much harder. It was much easier to to duplicate or forge paper documents and records than electronic now. Right. Um, And so that would be a little more difficult. So I'm going to give it a 7. I would really like to give it a higher rating than even that, but because of some of these issues I noticed, I'm going to give it a realistic 7. Yeah, this to me, it reminded me a lot, like I said, of Manimal. Okay. That because I love the premise don't know about the execution of it okay i don't think that the actor was hmm, it's not like he was that bad but he's no scott bacula to compare it to quantum leap he's not i do like michael t weiss though i, don't, I've seen I like him but he's a little like he's very st- he's a little stiff yeah he has an interesting deep voice yeah that I just think makes him stand out then a little bit. Get him to read some audiobooks because I didn't right. love him in the. No, he has like a, 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 a str- something. I don't know if he has maybe a lazy eye or something, but he had a little bit of issues with like eye contact with people and yeah. things, and just a very like. I don't think it's the character. I think it's him. Just okay. he's a little stilted. I felt like the cuts were crazy. And it's unfortunate, you know, with a long-form show, this is really the first one that we've run into with that. Mm -hmm. Because there were things that I couldn't follow. But that's not a thing against it. That's just like, hey, for me, it was hard to find. You know what I mean? That's not nothing against the show for being like that. Um, But I love the premise of it. I, I think that you could... I don't know... How you would kind of get around. You'd have to have the person also be a hacker. Yes, I was thinking that. And have them hack in and set up their employee profile and then yeah. they just show up for work. Yeah. Or right? or be working with someone who's a computer genius. Yes. Who could, who could basically get him into places. Yeah, like so that. that's the first episode of yeah. the reboot. I just yeah. we wrote it be- for them. Because Steve. again, too, I mean, even digital forgeries might not hold up. But he only spends like a week or two at a place. Right. He could probably hold up long enough for him to do what he's doing and get out. Yeah. Um, which is what the original guy did. That's <laughs> true, yeah. People almost found him out and yeah. he like bounced. But um, uh, I, I have one more fun fact that I have to tell you about him before we be, before we go out. But at any rate, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a seven as well. I really enjoyed it. Would I watch more of it? Probably not just because it's a little dated and the camera work and things. Um, but I did enjoy it, and I think if they did a remake, I think this would be... So, you know, they always reboot series, like, that were very popular. Right. Like, Roseanne or Full House or whatever. 
I think that this would be a great series to reboot because yeah. it's lesser known, but such a good premise. Yeah. And I know that they had movies to kind of finish it out. They and... did. We didn't mention it during reception, but they had two movies. Yeah. Two, Pretender 2001 and then Pretender Island of something. It was like two years after that. Mm-hmm. And then they had two books, the latest of which I think was in 2013. Okay. It was Re- Pretender Rebirth. I think that's when they set up their Facebook page. because It might be. They haven't been very active on it. Um, my last fun fact about the guy who this was based on... Um, when we took our break, we actually take a break and I just have to read up. What when he was pretending to be a surgeon, he he they had this big thing in Korea. He he had met a surgeon and he basically stole his identity. Mm-hmm. Okay. He goes to Korea with the Canadian Navy. They have a major battle. Yeah. There's all these Korean soldiers that there's all these soldiers who are injured and need surgery. He tells his team to prep them for surgery, goes back, speed reads the textbook, comes and back doing and does surgery. surgery, and none of them died from the surgery that he did. Wow. All the surgeries were successful. Now, other times he, like, forged checks. Right. Got in arguments with people about his cooking skills in one instance. Right. <laughs> like, all these other things. But apparently, like, had he not been there, there might have been, like, 13 people who did. It was a large yeah. number of people. Anyway, um, a little bit different than The Pretender, but... Seven geniuses out of ten. Oh, gosh. I said out of seven. I'm so sorry. Seven geniuses out of ten for The Pretender. And five geniuses out of five for The Choco Taco. Yeah. If you can find it, highly recommend it. Definitely. Highly recommend The Choco Taco. Um, So next up is The Real Ghostbusters. So that brings us to... What is Steve willing to watch? All right. I picked an episode from season one. I'm not going to... I think this is one where just the descriptions will probably be That's fine. I'm going to do When Halloween Was Forever, episode eight, season one, because it's our our Halloween time. Yeah. There are on Amazon Prime 10 seasons listed. Wow. So you pick two out of 10 and I will click on it. I'm guessing one of those might... Five. Maybe they rebooted. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to read you just some of the titles. Sure. Shoot. Episode two, they call me Mr. Slimer. All of these are puns on movie titles. Okay. Episode three, Apocalypse, What Now? (laughs) Episode four, Hard Night's Day instead of Hard Day's Night. And night is spelled with a K. Okay. Um, Episode eight, Masquerade. Episode 9, Janine's Day Off, or episode, episode 10, Ghostbusters in Paris, or episode 12, Ghost Fight at the OK Corral. I gotta go with Ghost Fight at the OK Corral. That's what I thought. All right, so uh, coming up next, we are now, we have the Pretender, which is like dressing up in costume. Yep. That's our tie-in. Now we're really into our Halloween stuff. We also just did Hocus Pocus. So we did as a bonus. If you haven't heard that, make sure you check that out. But coming up next, we have, starting our cycle again, The Real Ghostbusters. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
And that, oh, by the way, though, the real Ghostbusters is a cartoon. Yeah, it's the cartoon of the it's Ghostbusters. It's the cartoon. At some point, maybe we'll do the Ghostbusters, yep. but for now, it's the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. For our live action TV. And then Monster Squad. Monster Squad for our movie. Because Hocus Pocus was Megan's choice and Monster Squad was Steve's. That's right. So we balanced it out. Also, this is episode 42 and coming not too distant in the future is our 50th extravaganza. 50th episode extravaganza. And it should be a lot of fun. We're going to do something a little bit different. um, And we're going to... I don't want to give anything else away. 50 episodes in the first year. And I don't know. At some point, maybe we'll try out the Adult Happy Meal. Oh, yeah. The Adult Happy Meal came out this month. I know. We did oh the regular gosh. Happy Meal for our 25th. Yeah. I had something planned for the 50th, but you sound super excited about the Adult Happy it Meal. It comes out, as of us recording this, it comes out tomorrow. Right. Guess what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. I can I can definitely guess that you're going to have the Adult Happy Meal. Yeah. All right, so that's what's coming up. Uh, also, we got a lovely review um, on Apple that said that they loved the history and fun facts, but mostly the banter between the hosts. This is just us, baby doll. Yeah, this, this is just is, our. This, this is just our house all the time. This is pretty much how we are. Yeah, we pretty much just turn on the mic and go. <laughs> I tell you fun facts. You tell me interesting things. I interrupt you too much. And our dog sits there and looks at us like we're talking to her. Yeah, exactly. And explaining all this information to her. At any rate, um, thank you, Player K-E-S. And um, we thank you so much for that review. And if you guys could please leave us a review, especially even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts has an algorithm and it helps you be seen if people leave reviews there. Oh, okay. So if you like and enjoy the show, um, please do that. And make sure to follow us on Facebook because that's where um, we're putting our links and things like that now. So that's it for us. Uh, I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.